all in your mind. All in your mind. All in your mind. All in your mind. Look, Mary Beth, look what Daddy caught for you. It's a fluffy bunny, a bug's bunny. How exciting! <laughs> oh, do you want him? Do you want to take him home with us? Okay, honey, anything for you. Oh, we have to play a game first, though. Now close your eyes and cover your ears. Now sing Daddy his favorite song while I tell the bunny a secret. Ready, set, go! Jesus loves the little children. That's right, keep them closed and keep singing. <laughs> Look, Mary Beth, little Bugs got so excited that he wore himself out and decided to take a little nap. That psychotic episode was performed... <laughs> By the legendary Christopher Graybill, actor extraordinaire, graphic audio veteran, uh, familiar to all gra graphic audio fans, I'm sure. Uh, and we we are very happy to have him with us today. Let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rick Rowan. Uh, to my left is Dwayne Beeman. And, uh, and co-hosting on this episode is... Nanette Savard. And our guest of honor... Chris Graybill. Chris Graybill. <laughs> oh. Welcome, welcome. Now, I should say that clip that we just played was actually from a production that's that's uh, hasn't even gone to post-production yet. We, Ken Jackson, the director of uh, Atrum Terra, episode two, or book two, The Dark Divide, um, uh, gave me Chris's, uh, a, a chunk of Chris's performance that he had edited together into basically a psychotic monologue. <laughs> And uh, I threw a scratch track of scoring together under it and put it in a space so that it had a little performance. But that's, that is as fresh as it comes. That's a sneak preview. <laughs> of course, whenever, whenever you're hearing this podcast, it may not be a sneak preview anymore, but uh, at least at, at this point in time it is. Yes. And uh, Chris had mentioned that he had a really good time playing that bizarro character. Yeah. Um, you, well, you said that, uh, what was the, that you liked the fact that it was funny and insane and totally insane yeah <laughs> yeah i think i the uh graphic audio uh projects that I, I enjoy all of them but the ones i like the most are the ones that have humor in them and the ones that are really extreme and this this guy was very funny and he was completely nuts <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's right up my alley kind of like you chris yeah. <laughs> well let's give a little exposition here um or uh well chris is been one of the uh, actors that we've worked with the longest here. I mean, we were trying to calculate exactly when he came on board, and he he, uh, he predates, predates he predates their uh, he, graphic audio. He predates graphic audio I mean, by several years, yeah. I might add. Well, we were figuring like around like ninety eight because mm -hmm. yeah. um, we were doing the the Cutting Corporation was doing uh, was working as a private contractor or as a subcontractor publishing traditional audiobooks in a shortened format for another publisher. And we did a lot of Westerns and right. that's, that's when Chris came on board mm -hmm. and, uh, we've kept him ever since both as narrator and as actor, uh, of dialogue scenes for graphic audio. You were the narrator of, uh, most of the destroyer series, right? Yeah. Um, right. 
And that was also a lot of fun. And playing, oh, yeah. you also played Remo Williams yeah. in that too, yeah. which was yeah. Uh, speaking of humor right. and, <laughs> right. and wackiness, um, also uh, for us uh, in the DC Comics universe, um, uh, Chris played Barry Allen in Crisis on Infinite Earths, and in other productions uh, where he. But but in Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, Barry is the narrator for a good chunk of that, so we got to hear a lot of your narration as well as your performance in the character. Yeah, and he was very, uh, that was a very different kind of thing because he was a very sensitive sort of guy. And, he, yeah. and a lot of the book had to do with, um, I, I can't remember his... Uh, oh, Iris. Iris, his, yeah. His, 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 his lost wife, Yeah, basically. his lost wife, and there's some very moving scenes about uh, with him and Iris. So, yeah, that was great, too. Uh, Let's uh, let me do a little quick read on on the Christopher's bio, and we can uh, uh, we can go wherever we want to with that. But um, uh, Chris has worked as a voice actor in the Baltimore Washington market for over twenty years. Since two thousand four, he has been an announcer for Maryland Public Television, <laughs> <laughs> and he's done Yay. every kind of voiceover, including radio and TV commercials, documentaries for PBS, Discovery Channel, and the Learning Channel, training for many Fortune five hundred corporations video game characters, and special projects ranging from poetry to talking dolls. I want to hear about <laughs> talking, that. talking dolls. Dolls. That's creepy. Tell <laughs> now, us. Tell us. Well, before we get into that, I want to. Uh, we, we also want to talk about, um, he's one of five narrators that, uh, that helped us win a 2002 Audi Award for Blood, Stories of Life and Death from the Civil War. That was oh, a... Yeah. A listen and live production that we uh, that that the Cutting Corporation basically did all the recording for and all the all the performing. Uh, he was also an Audi finalist in solo fiction for the Two Minute Rule by Robert Crace. Is that how right. it's pronounced? And uh, got a Publishers Weekly 2006 Listen Up Award for one of the best fiction audiobooks of the year, The Zero by Jess Walter, produced by Nan Savard. Really? Really? Yes. We recorded that here, and uh, and Nan produced it. I we did it for. And uh, you don't remember? That I don't Nan? remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, was that was I'm glad Harper? to hear that. Harper was for Harper, yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, it was literally yeah. ten years ago. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, we did a bunch of books for Harper. Harper, right? yeah. yeah. And yeah. I that figured that's probably yeah. what it had to be. Well, it was yeah. very, it was very memorable back in two thousand seven. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> a lot of things were memorable in two thousand seven that I don't remember. I hear myself on audiobooks all the time. I have no recollection whatsoever right. of doing the role. Yeah, that's so. Lovely. I. Yeah, but I'm glad. I'm glad it worked out so well. <laughs> Uh, Chris is also a playwright. Um, he has short plays and monologues published by Samuel French. Any actor who's ever done a play knows who Samuel French is. They, they own the rights to virtually everything. everything. Right. Uh, and they've been performed at Actors Theater of Louisville and elsewhere. His sci-fi one-act turnover produced at the Sci-Fi Fest LA last year in Los Angeles. Uh, it was an interesting festival because it in, uh, included pieces by Neil Gaiman and Clive Barker, mm. um, and it used actors from a lot of popular sci-fi movies and TV series. Right, including, uh, they really had a lot of uh, pretty big-time actors. They didn't have the leads from the popular TV series, but they had the secondary characters, and they had Veronica Cartwright from Alien. Oh, oh they yeah. they had uh, Chekhov from Star Trek, uh, and they had... Uh, uh, Walter Koenig. Walter yeah. Koenig, yeah. Uh, and they had a number of uh, actors that I know sci-fi people would know. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So that was great. I, I went out there to see it, and that was a lot of fun. The theater was in Hollywood, and it was 
kind of a little for me anyway yeah, a little yeah. taste yeah, of that a little yeah. glamour yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i got ignored by all the best people of course <laughs> much much bigger than owings mills yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> that's where mpt is for those of yes. you who don't know yes but uh, maryland public television right right yeah. But just to answer your question, the Talking Dolls was even creepier than you imagine because <laughs> some some company had the idea that children would enjoy getting uh, talking action, or in this case, inaction figures of U.S. presidents, and uh, they would say their memorable quotes. So I had somebody like Andrew Johnson, and I don't even obviously I don't remember his quotes, but the idea that <laughs> children children would want to have U.S. presidents in play. Uh, you know, there's nothing to fear but fear itself yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was kind of a pipe dream, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it sounds absolutely horrifying. Yeah. But now and notice, um, conveniently in your um, bio, you have no uh, references of um, long arm. In <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, in. Well, he said westerns. <laughs> Western of sorts. That's that's in Kit Cameron's uh, bio. That was the uh, that was the. Uh, yeah. oh, that I was, was so. Right. That was your, yeah, this is just very briefly. Long Arm was an infamous uh, audio uh, series, a Western comedy that was R plus 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 rated. Yeah. It was yes. basically like a typical Western, except our hero had sex about every fifteen. Uh, you're being generous. Yeah. You're being generous with that RRR rating. It was it was it was hardcore. It was hardcore porn. Let's get it. was hard enough. It was hard enough that I didn't use my real name. Although at the time I probably would. Although now I probably would. Yeah. You want to rephrase yeah. that? Yeah. Never mind. We've all um, done projects that we didn't, we didn't right. want to have our name on. And, right. and that was in the days when when uh, it wasn't a full cast like Graphic Audio, right. where I did all the parts, including. <laughs> The, uh, the, mo the moaning women and uh, the uh, studly long arm who is uh, it, it named was, was not a, because he's the long arm of the law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were very entertaining. It was, they were. Because yes, Chris were. managed to capture, somehow invest these things with, with almost an innocent quality, kind of a homespun, you know, just folks kind of quality. Yeah, while well, he was and describing his interpretations of the female characters were particularly. Yes. <laughs> I the the one the one line that we still remember and we still use around here. I don't know if you remember this. Just let me get a drink of whiskey and a piece of jerky, ma'am, and I'll be ready to go again. <laughs> we still say that around here every once in a while. Well, the major market uh, for the major market for long arm was truck drivers, and yeah. it always was kind of disturbing to think of that these truckers were listening to me moaning and grunting and, and, and sighing as they were, you know, hauling yes. these rigs at seventy-five miles an hour. So. <laughs> Well, there, were, there, were, uh, there were several Western series in, in that time period that were published back when the, the pulp uh, trade markets uh, was uh, were flourishing of a sort that were sort of Western, you know, porn. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, porn is too strong a word because they, they did have... They, uh, there was they, a plot. There was a plot. Usually it was a mystery of some kind with mm. Long Arm, it seemed to me. Well, he was a detective. Of, or a, what, a Texas Well, he was a Ranger. deputy. Deputy uh, right. sheriff? De deputy something. Right. right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Dog. <laughs> deputy but dog. We've, we've already talked way too long about a product yes. that we're not currently selling. <laughs> <laughs> But um, we, yeah, well, let's talk. Let's go. Let's go uh, and do some other more um, 
current. Yeah, current. Well, but also no. But actually, we'll we'll stay in the past, but we'll we'll go on to more um, uh, more about Chris's route to doing audiobooks in the first place. Because um, he you don't come from an acting background to begin with, uh, which is kind of anomalous in the in, in the audiobook industry. Yeah, I mean, here's my story really quickly. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to do, and uh, I went to college. But I worked uh, diligently not to learn anything, and, uh, and so and I was I think I was too scared to try anything. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. I got out of school. I worked at a desk job for like ten years, and I was really bored and unhappy. But I'd always secretly wanted to be a, a playwright. So I quit my job and tried to write plays. I couldn't make any money. But one of the guys. Um, at one of the part-time jobs I had. I had a whole bunch of part-time jobs like limousine driver and uh, delivery boy and uh, this particular job I was working at the ticket office for a theater in Baltimore and one of the guys was a intern engineer at a sound studio and I had worked for my college radio station which was one thing I did enjoy in college so I knew that voiceovers was kind of a thing that people did. What, was, um, what college did you go to? I went to Duke Okay. Um, where you really had to work to not learn anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, hard to come out as ignorant as right. I came out. <laughs> but uh, uh, and anyway, uh, he hooked me up with the teacher, and I started out in voiceovers. But I'd never thought of myself as a performer. But I always liked voice, and when I was a kid, I used to listen to a lot of voice uh, comedy albums, and I used to like to do imitations. Mm -hmm. So it should have been obvious to me that I, yeah. with something with voice would... It's just oh. nobody thinks of that seriously as a career. Well, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, my uh, voiceover teacher thought I needed to loosen up, so she suggested I take acting lessons, and I did, and I enjoyed it. And that kind of, uh, by a very kind of curving route, led to audiobooks, because that's sort of the most acting you can do if you're in the voiceover yeah. uh, world. Yeah. And so I was lucky enough, really, to hook up with uh, the three of you uh, and uh, continue on from there. But uh, I don't know what I would have done if I, if I hadn't found voiceovers. And, and audiobooks was something that I really, really, really enjoyed and I think um, was the most satisfying in a lot of ways uh, of all the things that I've done. In VO, so so the moral of my story is if you're if you're 25 years old and you have no idea what you want to do, <laughs> don't worry because uh, we don't yeah. all bloom at the same time, yeah. and uh, some of us have to be uh, over 40 before we start. Uh, what yeah, our, what our real job? Well, is. well, this job didn't exist when we were in our 20s. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, and yeah. the audiobook industry didn't really pick up until the mid 90s, and, and yeah. you know, as as something that was commercially viable. Right. Yeah. Right. And um, now it's evolved even more. I mean, just with oh, a yeah. with a with a shameless plug for graphic. But I mean, yeah. when I started, I nobody did a full cast books, and nobody right. did the level of sound effects, right. and yeah. nobody did any sound effects. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, the, the the idea of the sound effects when we started was to play a little tune under the opening credit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. That was yeah. it. But now it's 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 fantastic, and it's a whole different experience, and it's it's perfect for the kind of books that graphic does. I mean, maybe with kind of a inwardly, downwardly, psychological two, two or three person novel, you can still use one narrator. But for the kind of action, yeah. uh, comic book world, science fiction right. world, fantasy world, really the technology would really open so many doors for, for uh, graphic to do what it does.
Yeah, it's yeah, and people still aren't doing that much of it uh, on this side of the Atlantic. I mean, in, in yeah, um, in England, I think in there's England, a long tradition. England, audio drama never died. Yeah, uh, you right. know, for here it dried up as a commercial entity, and and we're sort of in a circuitous route bringing it back with graphic audio. Uh, what are some of what are some of your favorite books that that you can recall? having narrator that's stuck in your mind. We well, you already said Destroyer, of course. You, yeah. were, you oh, were pretty much... That was almost, yeah. And it doesn't have to be graphic audio product necessarily. If you oh, did, well, did. I would say that the ones you mentioned uh, were the ones... I truly enjoy getting a collection of characters. The way it works now is that typically I'll get, say, four or maybe five parts to do in four or five different right. uh, works and you go and you record them all the same day and it's it's really a lot of fun to do the homework to come up with voices for all the for all the parts and to come and have a very varied session um, the 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 uh, the besides uh, Remo and and uh, some of the others you mentioned I'd, I'd say I really enjoyed the book the zero uh, that mm. I did with Nan because it was um, it was kind of like science fiction. It was it was very dark satire. It was kind of post um, 9/11, and it was about a very kind of paranoid, uh, xenophobic United States. And it was very broad and very satiric and really funny. And mm. uh, I, I like that book a lot. I gotta look that up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm listening to you describe it, and I'm just like, I can't, I can't recall. I actually do remember it now because we did yeah. a whole series of them, and and we and we used a lot of the uh, our regulars in in the narration um, uh, as the as the narrators, and I do remember the one that I'm you're vaguely that, getting. That, but I, I'm now, now I'd like to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I'll have yeah. To, yeah. I also just quickly, I also love doing a. Um, uh, Huckleberry Finn for the Learning Company, and oh. uh, that was a book that I always loved. And uh, sure, now did you narrate that? Yeah, I did. I mean, I got a, to do all the parts. Yeah, it was a traditional audio book. Traditional okay. audiobook. Now, okay. I mean, Hall Holbrook had done such an incredible job oh, yeah. with with Mark Twain that it was hard not to to imitate him in some ways. But yeah. just to have the chance to, to to read that book meant a lot to me. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you, it's this I always have felt that this is the perfect job for somebody with a short attention span <laughs> as, maybe, as maybe we're all demonstrating today but, uh, but that's one of the things I like best about it and the fact that um, in a given year you can have 50 different projects that you really enjoyed you might not necessarily remember them for, yeah. for forever yeah. but they're fun at the time you do them they're yeah. a lot of fun at the time you do them yeah. mm -hmm. I remember back in the early days um, one of the things with, with working on those short westerns and, uh, and books for another publisher was helping actors discover the wealth of characters that they have within them and character voices do you remember that process at all that we're, we were trying to you know, figure out you know what you know yeah um, yeah how to distinguish one one thing that if you're a solo uh, narrator if you can really vocally distinguish characters from the next it brings the material alive in a way that makes it uh, it's a lot clearer to the listener who's talking when um, and and there's a whole art form to doing that you can be successful as a narrator without being uh, you know a vocal chameleon 
but uh, but I remember back in the early days, you know, trying to figure out, well, okay, well, what can we do for this guy, and what can we do for that guy, and yeah, no, yeah. that that's a lot of fun, and you do hear vo- hear yourself doing voices that you didn't don't sound familiar. Yeah, <laughs> and the, and the other thing I loved about this job, and especially uh, working with uh, with you and uh, both of you and. Uh, all the producers here was that you got paid to learn things. You got, yeah. Because every every book you went into was kind of a adventure in the sense that you didn't know exactly what the voice was going to be like. You prepare a voice at home, right. and I even bring a little tape recorder in so I won't forget it. Right. But a lot of times, whether it's you or Nan or Ken or Rose or any of the producers, they'll say, well, make them a little older or make them right. uh, a little crazier. Well, they, <laughs> they don't tell me that too often. <laughs> but um, but uh, so it's a lot of, um, it, there's a lot of unpredictability about what the character is ultimately going to sound like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That's awesome. true. Well, one of the things that Chris is particularly good at is, is following the absurdity of a, of, of a train of dialogue to its logical conclusion. We, we, <laughs> Even we, though it's not in the script? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The, the stuff that happens, you know, that would never be included in a script, the outtakes, as it were. And, and one of the things that, that, that has always been the hallmark of working with Chris is, besides his very professional and, and, and unflappable demeanor, is his, his, his sense of humor. Uh, it, it, it's always very entertaining to have a session with Chris. Well, with, with that silence, uh, <laughs> can't you tell? With that awkward pause, <laughs> there's always a law. There's always a law. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, Nan, do you have any recollections of uh, particular? Well, just uh, you know, I don't want to go. I hate to go back to long arm, but I just thought it was kind of charming. Uh, you, I mean, you, Rick started out working with you on Long Arm and directing you, and then he had something else he had to do, and so I had to take some <laughs> sessions. Oh, right. I had to wash his car. I, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I got something else. To I got, yeah, I got to go see a man about it. Uh, but he, um, so, like, I, I was engineering, directing a couple sessions, and I, th- I think we didn't know each other all that well, and I just remember you stopping at one point and going, I'm really, really sorry that you have to listen to this. <laughs> well, I got over that. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, yeah, you did. But I mean, you know, and, and I, I, I thought it was kind of sweet and when I just went, Chris, we're all adults here. I mean, you know, I know what this material is about. Uh, yeah. Well, and after that, I just it got very funny. Well, yeah, it got it, everything's got progressively raunchier. I'm <laughs> think uh, things are yeah, going um, back to well, just when you was just saying that I can vividly recall you know, about to do long arm yeah and rick will always prep you like we'll talk to you just to say okay did you get the chance to read over the script can you tell me anything that's going on you know and and the first thing that will come out of your mouth it seemed like for almost two years Oh well, long arm. He hit a new low in this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, this just went on for like two years yeah. straight. I mean, it's well. I don't rem- I don't know what book this was from. From but uh, back when uh, back when everybody uh, in the early days of graphic, when everybody was all in the same room, there was kind of a raucous atmosphere at times. And I remember yeah. Every, yeah. every 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 session I came to. Uh, for about two years, oh, I'd yeah, walk in the right door, yeah. and everybody would say, everybody would go, 
because uh, this was a, a line I had about, uh, uh, here comes Thor, motherfucker. Yeah. But I don't know what book that was from. So yeah. that's what I'm talking about. It was, a, it was I, Across the Rainbow Bridge of Asgard. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Because, because Brian Patton. Was that Doomsday, yeah, was that Doomsday Warrior? Uh, it probably was. Yeah. It probably was. Brian that's Patton. Right. Had had taken that lot. He loved it, it so much that he took it yeah. and he put like some of Johann Detweiler's uh, guitar uh, behind it. Yeah, yeah like right. like heavy metal guitar or thrash right. metal guitar behind it. And it, it was like every time you were you were on the schedule, he would you know he had thing people up, would man. look at him. That's right. And he'd go, That's right. I got it, and he'd yes. cue it up, and you'd come around the corner into the room, and we'd hear wang nigga wang nigga across the rainbow bridge of Asgard. Here's Thor, motherfucker. Yeah. So I had my own theme music. Yeah. 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 It was entrance music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was. Yeah. I mean, for for the listeners to picture this, I mean, for a good chunk of time, all of our engineers and directors were in basically the same space it's like it would be like if you walked into a police precinct and, and <laughs> yeah, exactly and, and, like if you walked yeah, into a police precinct with people, people with, being with, booked and phones ringing and <laughs> It was it was absurd, it unbelievable was chaos. It really was. It was <laughs> right. like it was it was like either a a, 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 a police precinct or a or a newspaper, you know, uh, okay. yeah, hot off the presses, you know, Perry White, you know, yeah. bullpen yeah, type yeah, of thing. It, yeah. I mean, and it so, was amazing that we got stuff done. In there. <laughs> yeah, really. it was. Yeah, uh, it was. yeah. It was not the most. It's not like that anymore. Tough. The yeah, we did have a lot of uh, fun back in the day. Not that we don't have fun now. Yeah, that's for sure. I was I was thinking that one of the things about most of our studio setups, you don't really see the actor. You don't get eye contact with the actor. So there's kind of a confessional uh, quality <laughs> yeah. to the fact yeah. that you're in the booth, and and and. Uh, which I think works to your advantage when you're dealing with scenes that that are a little that 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 are could be very uncomfortable if you're making eye contact with someone, yeah. uh, either in terms of whatever's happening, if it's a sexual scene or even if it's a, just a really vulnerable, intimate scene. Um, you know, as a director, I'll take the approach of trying to help the actor get in that space and then trying to get out of their way if it's a if it's a sensitive scene where yeah. they need to be moved to tears yeah. or 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 you know a really vulnerable moment and also if it's a scene of high passion too uh, <laughs> uh, it's good not to actually be looking at each other yeah. when you're when you're doing something like that you know uh, as a you know well, and it's also great that all the uh, producers are also performers because because I'm sure everybody knows that the that our lines are recorded individually. That right. We're not actually talking to mm -hmm. so the, the person in the scene. So the producer does your scene partner's lines for you. And all the producers are such good actors that it really helps to have some emotion in your cue line. It helps you do a much better performance. Yeah, to play off of. Yeah. Well, I always tell uh, new uh, actors when they come to us that if... If your director is acting up a storm, it's probably an indication that they want you to meet their level, <laughs> you know, to get to where they are. Uh -huh. uh, if, if we can hear the director through the booth and across the hall and across several rooms now of shut doors, right. odds are <laughs> that the actor on inside the booth is, is probably screaming too. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, even the... 
Currently, the only director that we have on staff who doesn't come from an acting background is Nathaniel Perry, but even he has acting instincts. He's yeah. he he has he has a performer's sense of comic timing. Uh, so you're right; it, it is sort of a prerequisite for being a director here that to be able to do that and to be although able to it 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 caused some. Uh, it, it was kind of funny in the old space where there was just one little lobby. And there were uh, yeah. recording recording studios right off this lobby, and somebody would come in with something for, for the archives part of you know somebody <laughs> who just yep. was coming in no because they wanted some cassettes dubbed onto CD or something like that. And they'd be sitting there waiting for Aaron, who's in charge of the archive, you know, to, to come out with their stuff. And through the door right next to them, they'd hear they'd hear, "I want to kill you! I want to kill you!" You know, or something like. Yeah, or some horrible or, or scream, or like <laughs> yeah. Rick, Rick conducting an audition, you know? And yeah. No, no, like this. Ah! You know, I and use <laughs> it as a last resort in the audition, but if I get an actor who is it's unwilling to commit, <laughs> I'll, I'll show them how to commit. You know, yeah. <laughs> and anybody in the building basically will will know. Oh, yeah. Rick's auditioning another actor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we oh, yeah, we always stop and go, you know, laugh because you know. Because all of a sudden, through the ceiling, you'll hear, ah! Well, that is one of the things that, that's, uh, <laughs> that's hard for a lot of actors uh, to wrap their heads around, is performing the vocalization of physical things. You know, to come up with all the different shadings, all the ways you can die horribly. <laughs> or, or even just what the difference between types of exertions, you know? Well, that's true. And even in the Westerns, uh, a lot of it is figuring out how many noises one action might have. Like when you get off yeah. a horse, when I think when I first started doing it, I'd just go, uh. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, maybe yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. That, that's not we've committed tried, enough for We've tried to pull back on that. But, yeah. uh, yeah. but, but the, actual, the actual noise for a horse would be more like, uh, because right. you have to get up and swing you your leg, leg over, over yeah. and get, get down. Yeah. And that's something you don't really think about um, until your director yeah. points it out yeah. to you. <laughs> oh, I love to think of, of what's physically actually happening, you know. I mean, you always should, but I love to try and figure out ways to invest the performance with what's happening physically. It's something unique, you know. If uh, like if a character's, you know, uh, chewing food or whatever and and you can actually and, and it's the kind of person who would talk with their mouth full. I always like to yeah. Do that. You got anything to eat? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love I love you know folk, smoking fake cigarettes in session. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, if the character is doing so, um, or even just thinking, you know, how how you how you would vocalize. Like if you, uh, at one point there was one book I remember where the character was delivering his lines on his chest on the floor, and we took the time to sort of try and simulate that that situation yeah. in the you know, artificial environment of the booth. And, you know, just like pressing against the chest and getting close to the mic and yeah. doing little things like that that the listener may not be aware of because it sounds authentic. Um, right. I mean, we've, we've horribly failed on occasion with that kind of stuff too. There are times when, when I will try things and when we get to post, it's like, oh, that's so overdone, <laughs> you know, because it's hard to know how much to give uh, in a performance. Well, it, dep it depends on the on the viewpoint. I mean, if it's a if it's comic, right? If it's comic, you can probably yeah. get away with just I mean, about in, anything. In Wittershins, I remember I, Alyssa Wilmoth, who played Wittershins, had her face on a pillow. You know, I mean, she was on her stomach because her she'd been beaten and her back was all messed up. So 
she was doing kind of her lines like this. And but it was funny, you know, yeah. because she she realized that you know, she was yeah. like face down with no shirt on and there were people standing around and she was like, I want you all out of here now. You know, <laughs> so it was it, it worked that way. Yeah, that kind of stuff come is up fun. With creative. It I, is, and I think everybody always encourages people to take chances, and because why not? You can just that's what acting's about. Yeah. and you can just not use it if you, if it doesn't work. Yeah, but right, I mean, right. Uh, exactly. What 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 are the what kind of plays have you written, Chris? What are uh... <clears throat> well, lately I've been writing. Um, more science fiction. I don't know if it's the graphic yeah. audio uh, influence <laughs> or not. But Maybe we should uh, talk. I uh, this play turnover was set in the future, and it was about uh, a society that can't afford a prison system anymore just because mm. they don't have any money. Mm. So there are only two classes of crimes: you either get home detention for varying periods of time, or you get the death penalty because there's, <laughs> because there's no more. There aren't any prisons. Right. Yeah. There's nothing in between. And so then they further wanted to save money because they were executing a whole lot more people than, <laughs> than they used to in the past. And they found there was a lot of turnover in the executioners because it wasn't a job that anybody, anybody could wanted. stand yeah. for a while, for very long. So they decided to recruit the executioners from uh, death the, row. The criminal element. The, because they, the idea being that if they could find somebody who actually enjoyed killing people, that, <laughs> that they might stay in that job longer and it'd be more cost effective. So mm. turnover is about a job interview between uh, uh, a guy who currently is the executioner for the penal system and a woman who he thinks just might be vicious enough to replace him. Oh, that's pretty it, interesting. That yeah. is yeah. interesting. <laughs> now, I mean, uh, so serial comic? Uh, yeah, I'd yeah. say very, very, very dark comedy. But, yeah. but, but also with kind of a point about, uh, about prisons and about uh, what they're like and about um, yeah. capital punishment and things like that. Mm. So uh, I really liked fascinating. it. fascinating. And then I just wrote a full-length play, which nobody wants to do, uh, <laughs> also set in the future. <laughs> uh, and the premise of this play is that the, uh, I think I told you about this, Nan. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, the premise is that the baby boomers never retire. Uh, they hold on to their jobs that's, indefinitely. That's and, not science fiction. And, <laughs> and they've devoted all their uh, medical research budget um, for genetic uh, therapies to keep them young, and they basically developed an implant that is kind of a self-correcting DNA repair. So they're not going to get any older. Uh -huh. So the uh, post-millennials in their early 20s are stuck with a future of nothing but 18 part-time jobs. You know, like yeah, now. yeah. Uh, Boy, so, so the, the, this play, this play is a is an outright comedy. But this, <laughs> believe it or not, but um, yeah. but uh, this play is about. Um, the uh, the kids finally having enough and standing up to the baby boomers. They've they've say so you they, must go. <laughs> well, they've been so they've been raised to be so polite that that their movement uh, demanding their rights. Uh, they just say, "Oh, please, would you let us have our turn?" It's called the please <laughs> movement because they're not they're they're so they're so bashful and kind of um, uh, uh, you know just timid that that they don't uh, demand their rights. But finally. They do, and there's a kind of a literal war between the generations. But it's, it's, it's a comedy yeah. again, very, very dark. But both these two plays are set in kind of dystopian futures, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we hope. 
There's a lot of uh, fodder for that in this dystopian present. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's interesting. It reminded me of, uh, of, of Garrison Keillor had a really classic essay decades ago about shy rights. And it was a whole social, somewhat satirical, the idea of, you know, you know, of shy people standing up for their rights if it's right. okay with you. Right. right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and basically that was the premise. Yeah. The whole idea that, that, that militant shy people, you know, right. the, the, the paradox therein. If you don't mind. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, we want to thank you, Chris, for coming in. Oh, it's uh, my this pleasure. Been fun. It's yeah. always a pleasure to, 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 to work with you. Absolutely. And, Likewise. Uh, thank you. Absolutely. And, uh, as Nan once said, uh, you're an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> In a gorgeous, gorgeous bar. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> thanks. No, it's been, uh, I've enjoyed, this has been one of the, really the greatest parts of my voiceover career has been working here and being having a whole, the huge variety of, uh, of uh, audio books that you do and uh, that we do. And really, like I said before, I, ca I can't really... Um, a lot of times when, when you go in to do commercials, you're just doing the same thing over and over again, yeah. and your only job is to just please them. And if there are six people from an advertising agency there, <laughs> you know, somebody always has something to say, and you wind up d doing something the same way over and over and over again, but <laughs> mm -hmm. changing the emphasis on one word. Right. right. And to have the freedom at, at, uh, at graphic to really explore and to really take chances and to act as crazy as your character is <laughs> and as funny as your character is or as passionate as your character is or as or even as hurt and uh, and uh, yeah. moved as your character is it's uh, it's a real that's been a real gift and I really really appreciate it well we're very happy to have yeah. you yes thank you um, Dwayne, um, if anyone would like to listen to the body of work uh, contained in uh, of Christopher Grable's vast experience in graphic audio, where would they go? They would go to www.graphicaudio.net. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of fell down on the job on the last one. Yeah. <laughs> we never promoted that. But we usually try to stick that in more often. Yeah. Uh, but pretty much generally, uh, people know where the website is, right. or else they wouldn't be listening this to this podcast. <laughs> Well, thanks again, Chris. I want to thank Dwayne for being with me. I want to thank Nan. You're welcome. Savard for being with My me. My pleasure. And, uh, and until next time, thank you all for listening. Peace. Bye. <laughs> all in your mind.